having a system like this lets you see a bird's eye view, what's working and what needs to be done. And I never struggle with, okay, I did a great video. I don't have, what do I do next? I already have stuff that I can go to and I don't have that anxiety feeling of like, I've got to be creative now. I've kind of like seeded creativity in the future. What's going on, all you crazy money-making people out there? This is Justin Williams, your chief money-making officer, coming at you live from Pompano Beach, Florida. We just left the Keys a few days ago, and we'll be heading to Puerto Rico this weekend for about 10 days before we head to Europe for three months. So before we dive into today's episode, we have got an amazing announcement for you. Oh, yeah! Not only am I your chief money-making officer, but I am also head recruiter here at MU. And I could not be more ecstatic to finally be able to break the news that we have just inked a deal with a guy that I have been trying to recruit for months. Amazing. Eric Fisher has been on the show a few times before, and he has brought the gold incredible not only does eric bring a wealth of knowledge and experience to the mu crew but an entire network of marketers social media experts business owners i mean this guy has been podcasting and interviewing people for longer than i know he's worked with some of the biggest names when it comes to marketing he's worked with marketing agencies helping individuals and companies like yourself explode their business when it comes to productivity and getting things done in the fastest most effective, efficient manner. Eric is the guy with his decade-long productivity show, having interviewed literally hundreds of productivity experts. Amazing. And I could not be more excited to have him joining us. Eric recently sent me over the first lesson that he put together with his good friend, Jeff C. They had so much to cover that they broke it down into three topics, three lessons. So you'll be hearing one today and the other two in the next two episodes of the Millionaire University podcast. And I just meant to kind of start listening to a little bit to kind of get a feel for what Eric was talking about and his guests. I had some other important things that I had to work on at the time, but I started listening and I was smitten. I couldn't stop. Not only did Eric do an amazing job, but I loved hearing and learning from Jeff as well. Two amazing down-to-earth individuals who are doing some amazing things and just sharing their wealth with us. I'm just so grateful and so pumped and so excited to share these episodes, these lessons with you now. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, rise to your feet, put your hands together for the one, the only, your newest millionaire mentor, Eric Fisher. Hey, Eric Fisher here. You may know me from my longtime podcast, Beyond the To-Do List, and I'm very excited to share with you not only this conversation you're about to hear with my close friend, Jeff C., but also I am thrilled to be sharing this with you as a partner with Millionaire University, bringing you education and inspiration you need as you start, build, and grow your business. Over the years of podcasting, I've been able to use my gift of speaking and curiosity to pick the brains of experts on productivity, social media, media, and marketing, and I'm now thrilled to bring that to you as well in this space. So a little more about the conversation you're about to hear. This is a treat because there was so much in this episode on creativity. We kept it going into some other topics you'll hear in upcoming episodes. My friend Jeff C. and I talk about creativity for business owners. Jeff shares his insights on defining creativity in the context of business building and creation. He emphasizes the importance of fostering your creativity, cultivating 
diverse inputs that help stimulate that creativity and seeking input from others outside yourself to inspire your creativity. He also shares about his system for capturing and organizing ideas using tools like Tiago Forte's Building a Second Brain and his Para system. We also talk about creative rituals, including journaling and using tools like the Pomodoro technique that'll help you delve into tapping into the you of the creativity and also the benefits of napping for creativity and productivity. Some tips there in case you are adverse to napping. It's a huge tool to use to get your creativity going and your energy flowing. Not only that, but we talk about the significance of humor and laughter in enhancing creativity and productivity, as well as much more actionable advice to ignite your creative spark. So whether you're feeling stuck without enough ideas or overwhelmed by a multitude of ideas, Jeff C's insights on sparking creativity will help you break through both those barriers. All right. Well, I want to jump into a conversation about creativity for business people. Business people, they get they get started. They have this flurry rush of intense passion. That's what caused them to have the original idea. And some people, they constantly get ideas, but they don't know where to park them. They don't know how to mold them, move them, mesh them. But my friend, Jeff C., who is a studier of creativity and a practitioner, I would say, is here to talk about creativity for business people. Jeff, I want to start by asking you the question, how do you define creativity, especially in the context of business building and creation? You know, it's funny you ask that because uh, a lot of people say, like, I'm not creative. And when they think of creativity, they think of like Leonardo da Vinci and these, you know, the pop artists on there. And I really do believe that everybody has a creative bone in their body. I mean, so I, I like accountants can be creative. Teachers are especially creative. You talk to any kindergarten teacher, they're some of the most creative people that you see on the planet. Um, so uh, there's this stigma like you have to be this like this starving artist or like go and learn at the feet of the masters to be a creative person. And I just don't think that's true. I think it's creativity is actually just taking things that you know and looking at around you and and coming up with ideas and taking things kind of outside of the box it's not you know you try to condition yourself and use different processes and think of new ideas to apply to your business like what can i do different you know outside of the competition outside of you know getting more people to see my product creativity is just using all of those the years of wisdom and what you've learned in school and in your your experience and kind of putting them in a blender and taking them out into a, a different form or function. That's a great definition. I don't know if there's like a, there's no like, you didn't give like a, well, creativity is this and this, and this and right. this equals this. Like there's no math equation. Cause again, that that's partly why creativity is such a, a hard thing to, to wrangle, to, mm-hmm. to pull together. I think one of the things that you kind of addressed there and brought up in a way is that, Creativity and business are not opposing things. I think, you know, there's the whole, oh, you sold out or, you know, but I think that's the thing is like most business owners, they get into their business because they're passionate about the idea. They were creative and they want to make money and or serve all of the above. There's there's all those different reasons. I think one of the things that most people don't realize is that uh, we we're very familiar with the term Patreon or the, the service Patreon right, right. these days. And that's kind of a morphing of the word patron. And right. people used to be, I mean, Michelangelo was paid to create right. his right. art that he was, he was given money 
as and his patrons gave him the money and then he went and created went off and did the thing and so commerce has been part of this the whole time so it really needs to be unstigmatized there's a great book about this um and i'm blanking on the title a little bit but it's jeff goins um mm-hmm. Real artists don't starve. I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah but we yeah, can throw that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's a great. It's great. It's a great um, destigmatizing book for entrepreneurs and business owners to help them. It, it helps creatives that know they're creative get into the business side of things, but it also helps business people get into the create tap into their creativity. How yeah. else do you? So day in day out, though, I think the thing is, is yeah, you got some people that have ideas all the time. But what about problem solving with that creativity? How do we kind of, I mean, I think that's, that's really what we're, we're being creative about is we we're creative about a problem right? and coming up with a solution for customers. So one of the things that I think, uh, the, one of the best things to do to be creative in any business is not just to look to your, your, your competitors. So if you're a flower shop, you don't just look at the florists and see what they're doing, what their ad copy is, what they're doing to bring in customers. What you need to go look at is the amusement park. How is Disney getting people in their doors? How is people, when they first come into a Disney store, what are their eyes drawn to first? It's looking at these other competitor, and I, I mean, other like whole industries and taking those ideas and tools and things that they're being successful with and applying those to your business, just like the, like I was saying with the flower shop, looking at amusement park, um, is, are there, you know, do they have certain sounds that they're using? Are there smells that, you know, you're a flower shop, you probably should smell pretty good. You know, you should probably have some of those, uh, you know, some really good uh, smelling flowers at the front when people first come into your store. You might want to have a big display. But what, what things can you take from Disney and uh, apply it to your business. I just use Disney because everybody knows of Disney and they're famous for their customer service. But there have been books written about how Disney uh, really analyzes its customer service, analyzes its traffic, what people see. Um, they invented the smell. I think it's a smellizer where they actually pipe in smells on their rides and actually out in their food courts and stuff like that that other industries have taken now and using for their own uh, their own purposes. So. The, I think the best thing to uh, to you know get those creative juices going is not just to go look at the people who are you know in the you know I, the same IBMs the same you know Dell computers but look outside of the box and Apple is famous for doing this they do a lot of studies on different things and try to apply it into their design and you know the way they do business. It sounds to me like it, we want to create a kind of workflow, a creative workflow, not in terms of the output, but in terms of the input and you want to, you know, kind of foster a a curiosity, not just Mm -hmm. about your own kind of niche or industry, whatever your business is, but about the world and how people are putting themselves for what, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, have constant kind of, you know, newsfeed, if you will, or curated newsfeeds. How do you do that? How do you select your, your inputs? So, because we all know we can go to the internet and it's just an overwhelming right. fire hose. Exactly. Well, first of all, do things that interest you. I mentioned Disney because uh, I think they're one of the most creative companies there are out there. You mentioned um, a book uh, that, you know, Jeff's Goins book that you mentioned earlier. One of my favorite books about creativity for businesses is creative Inc. Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who is one of the founders of Pixar. 
And it's not only um, a great book about creativity in, in your in the, the workplace, but also how you manage creative teams. But he has something that he talks about, and I'm going to kind of segue to, to teams um, because teams are a big part of where you find different ideas. Because when you have a group of people, the more diverse and the more people that you can get um, to come up with those ideas, the better and more creative that those ideas will be. So he has a quote in there. Um, if you give a good idea to a mediocre team, they will screw it up. If you give a me- mediocre idea to a brilliant team, they will either fix it or throw it away and come up with something better. And I, I love that idea of, you know, you don't have to realize, you ask where I, you know, how I get my ideas. One of the things is I ask other people. I'm in different groups. I'm in different masterminds. Um, the more stimulus you can get from the most very, you know, varied parts of the world, the more creative you are. And that way you're able to take things from different areas and apply them. Like I love to do wood carving. I also like music. I also, you're, I'm not just, you know, this guy. I have all these multiple things. The same way with your business. Look outside of those things. Get your team involved in creative projects. You don't have to sit there and hold hands and sing Kumbaya or whatever. You can actually, but you can have creative things that they can do and then applaud them and give them the reins and freedom to be creative in their work. Because a lot of times the the atmospheres I've seen in business can be very, very stifling. And like, yeah, we want you to be creative, but then they really don't. They want you to do what you've always done. And, and that's just going to give you the same old, same old and not you let you kind of go to the next level with your business and also creativity. Now, I know that a lot of business owners probably find themselves, as far as from the experiences that I've seen and heard interacting with them, they feel like they're on a spectrum. They're either and, and not necessarily in between. They, they feel like I had that one great original idea and now I have none or I have all these ideas constantly like the fire hose and they don't know what to do with them because they've got so many and they can't act on any mm-hmm. or all of them. Uh, what would you prescribe to both ends of the spectrum there? So one of the things, and this goes back to the, the Creativity Inc. book, is that um, you, you want to fail often. You know, you've heard that fail forward. Everybody says it's kind of a thing. But to try those things and like, once again, if you have a team, try them and, you know, move quickly. Like, especially if you have a bunch of ideas and you don't know which one is going to resonate with your audience or your, your, you know, your leads that you're trying to get into your business. Um, so you've got to you've got to put stuff out there. And then when you start seeing some traction, move quickly and put out more content or, or move in that direction that's working. Um, if you're stuck for like ideas, like, you know, a lot of our friends um, and a lot of people probably listening are either solopreneurs or they're really small business. And they're like almost getting like, I have, okay, I had one great idea. I don't know what to do next. Like if you're putting together a video series, like I got this great idea and it went really well. And then like, oh, dang it. Now what? It's like, what do, what do I do? And the best thing I would say is to get out and get into a different environment for a while. If you're able to take your team and go like even on like, uh, you know, meet at lunch at somewhere else, you don't have to like go buy a big retreat and go out there and spend all this money. If you could just change your environment for a little bit, uh, especially if you could go outside or you could do something creative together, even if it's something like, okay, we're going to play win, lose, or draw today during, you know, this time. And we're going to come up with these ideas. One of my favorite creative uh, geniuses is Duncan Wardle, who used to be uh, with the, um, uh, he was the head of innovation at Disney. 
he's got all sorts of things where he uses mixed media. Like he'll have drawings, things he'll make. He'll one of his uh, things is where he, he gives you a character and you're supposed to tear a piece of paper behind your back in the shape of that figure. And it, it uses these different senses and it gets those creative things flowing. You don't have to be a Duncan Wardle, but you can do really creative things to try to get those uh, your team's you know juices flowing. And you can also do that with yourself. You could go out for a walk. You could go to to a museum. Julia Cameron, uh, I just did a uh, edited a podcast with her, and she talked about having artist dates where once a week you take yourself somewhere where you want to um, learn more about it. If it's a museum, if it's to you know go see a, a garden somewhere like a or a zoo or whatever, but you have these artist dates where you take yourself out out and learn something or in a new environment. And I think that's super important and can really keep those creative juices going. I think that's great advice. And yeah, I, I've got to echo Duncan Wardle. One of the, I mean, we were in the same room for right. an event that he was at and it was a, he had a certain slotted amount of time and the people running the event could see the impact he was making and just said, you know what? We're going to rearrange the schedule. They threw it out. They changed things right. up for the rest of the day and let him keep going. I think he was supposed to have an hour, hour and a half. And I think he <laughs> right. ended up getting double that time and it was well worth it. Some, some mm -hmm. of the most just uh, when I say muscle memory, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, your muscles, they, they've learned things. Right. No, your muscle. When people say muscle memory, it actually means neural pathways and the neural pathways were forming a new in that room at that time. And I just couldn't help but think that that was amazing. So mm -hmm. um, one thing is to be creative in, in terms of ideation and, and having them come together. But uh, what kind of system should we be looking at in terms of cap? You know, we come across something that inspires us, whether it's a swipe file, whereas we're, mm -hmm. you know, swiping through literally swiping through Instagram, although the term com comes from way further back than then, uh, right. where you'd you know, rip a page out of a magazine and put it in a, a file folder drawer. And then when you got, you know, I'm, I'm creatively dry, you'd pull that open and pull all those right. out and look through them. It's kind of what you were talking about earlier. Um, mm -hmm. So curating those sources. But once we have all those feeds, those inputs, we're getting outside the box, we're getting outside of our normal um, environment right. and or niche and industry. And we're getting all those ideas, though. It's one thing to have those, collect those, curate those. It's another entirely to start to act on those. And that's kind of what I was getting at with that spectrum is that you've got some people, they have so many ideas. They need to learn how to park those in a place right. that when now is not the time, it can sit there and percolate and simmer and back burner for the right time with maybe other ideas and ingredients that come in. What does all of that kind of process catalog workflow look like for you? So I've been a big fan of creating a second brain. Tiago Forte is uh, the, the guy who kind of created this and he uses the Paris system, which is um, projects, areas, resources, and archives. So I have been a big fan of using this. I use Notion actually now. I switched over to it. That's a, a software where you can kind of create anything you want out of it. It's really, really popular. But one thing, it lets me capture stuff. So like I see something that really interests me. Instead of going down that rabbit hole, I can capture it and put it to my second brain. And then later on, it's usually for me, it's on Fridays. I'm able to sit down and I go through and I actually organize all those thoughts and things that I had for a week. 
and those go into projects, right? So projects are things that I'm actively working on. These are like, um, you know, I'm, I'm building another course or something that's an actual project. Areas are things about my life. Like we mentioned before, I love amusement parks. I love music. I love wood carving. Those are areas. And so I have places to stick those. They don't have to be projects, but I can take those those areas and make them projects. And I have a place to stick that kind of stuff. Resources is just stuff like, hey, podcasting. I do podcasting. Hey, I do video editing. Those are where I'm going to throw, like, here is what's happening, you know, in YouTube in 2024. Oh, that's a great article. I'm going to save that and put that to some one of my resources sections. And archive is what it is. Like, after things are done, like I had a project for 2023 taxes that I was constantly working on and I had to get done. And so when that's done, you know, hopefully 2020, you know, it's over. <laughs> I can actually archive it. I can dump it into there. So having that for creative people or even people who struggle with having a bunch of ideas and then not knowing where to act on them, having a system like this lets you see a bird's eye view, kind of look at what's working and what needs to be done, what needs to be done next. And I never struggle with why, you know, we mentioned this earlier, like, okay, I did a great video. I don't have, what do I do next? Well, I already have stuff that I can go to and I don't have that anxiety feeling of like, I've got to be creative now. I've kind of like seeded creativity in the future. So anybody who struggles with that or wants, you know, wants to go down that route, I highly recommend Tiago Forte's Building a Second Brain book and then his Paris system. He's got a second book that came out about that, but it's really, really good in kind of organizing that creativity. It's helped me out a ton. Those are both great books. I highly endorse those. Um, I think the other key thing here is then, okay, you've got all these different ideas. You've got your your system, your your inputs, all of these different things. You're becoming inspired. So you've got the system set up. But then I think there's also other creative practices, daily, weekly, th- those creative rituals. Talk to me about some of these rituals that help you. And I don't just mean like monitoring all the different inputs that come in, but like what right. are the other things that keep you honed and centered and focused and uh, allow you to choose correctly. Uh, you, you never can know life's mm-hmm. life's a, a game right. uh, and you play it the best you can, but helps you make those best choices as you're going through your business. Well, a lot of people and a lot of people who are trying to be more creative um, and I'll go back to Julia Cameron because she's famous for having what she calls morning pages where she writes out and it's just like freeform writing. It's not any sort of, you know, trying to, write a book or anything. It's just like your thoughts for the day. Da, 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 da. And she writes out three pages longhand. That's her morning pages. And a lot of people, uh, it's the artist way, I think is what her book is called. Um, and a lot of people do that. I do something similar, but I use a app called um, the day one and I journal. I've been journaling for the last um, three, three years. And what it, I have it set up. So like I can't get in my office unless I journal because it's chained to a habit that I've set up where I have to unlock my office and that journal button's right there beside it. So it makes me do that before I get up. So that's kind of a little hack to, to if you want to journal more. Um, she swears that you have to use longhand. I don't. I don't because I would never be able to read what I have done. So I don't do that. But that's something that you can do. That's a, a practice. And journaling can help get those creative things going. It also can help you offload uh, something. And I know we've talked about this before, Eric, on like your productivity stuff is being able to do a mind dump of stuff like either when you're leaving your office or you're getting started or, or you need to just offload stuff during the day. That's once again, that's what I use the, the, uh, for me getting overwhelmed with stuff I'm seeing online and people, ideas that are coming up. 
that can overwhelm me and I kind of get into like a vapor lock and being able to just dump those into my second brain, knowing that they're captured somewhere releases so much anxiety for me that I can focus and start doing those tasks. You talked about like what tasks like and processes to do that as well. So what I usually do is like when I'm finally find a task that I need to focus on that's in a project uh, that I need to do is I have a thing called focus to do, which is pretty much I enter my task list and it makes a, a Pomodoro timer and it makes me focus on those because a lot of creative people, we do struggle with focus. And so having tools and tricks and hacks to allow you to focus better, that helps me a ton. So I can focus for 25 minutes and I get a break and then I can go on and do it again or I can check that task off. But using something like that to help you focus is a huge way to actually not just, you know, anybody can be creative, but if you don't use that creativity to actually do something, then you're just, you're just scatterbrained all over the place. So you have to harness your creativity and, you know, get the, the superpower of it. And by using like focus to do where you can focus on those tasks, I think is a must do and really can be a game changer for your business. Oftentimes, I think of all that curation and systematizing and and pulling things together as the gathering of the clay. And then right. there's this other side of it where, oh, well, you got to get it up on the table. Then you got to pare it down and kind right. of mold it and move it. I'm thinking of the movie Ghost for some reason, and I don't want to. Yeah, but that's so thank just, you for that. You're welcome. Um, but <laughs> there are other practices here, too, that uh, I know you know about in terms of like, for example, I know you and I are both very big proponents of napping for the sake yes. of creativity. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think you were the one who told me the term nappuccino, which is a great term for, uh, and I use it almost daily. Is I have a cup of coffee in the like in the one thirty two o'clock hour and take like a twenty minute nap, and that allows the caffeine to hit, and I wake up, and I am I just gives you a little jolt if you need it during the afternoon. So nappuccinos. Eric Fisher, I don't know if you came up with the idea, but I'm giving you credit. I did not. Um, I, I, it was a guest on my show, and I can't remember who it was specifically. I know that there's been a couple of people who have brought that up as a as a thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. I've also heard something like cappuccino something or other. Or I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, yeah th that's one of the things. I've also heard that, and I forget, I think you know who it is. There was the guy who he would put something in his hand and they would sit in a oh, chair. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh. It was a famous inventor. It was yeah. either was it Benjamin Franklin. I can't remember, but he, he actually have like a plate with like some coins on it in his, in his hand. And when he yes. fall asleep, it would drop and then it would, you know, come up. So um, it's not healthy, but a lot of us sleep by uh, our bedside. We have our phones, which if you can get rid of those, that's important. But have a way you can capture ideas like at night or when you wake up or when you take that nap in the afternoon. A lot of times things will be percolating in your brain that'll wake up and you're like, oh, that's, I figured it out. Um, a lot of people are uh, proponents of nap. Uh, Ariana Huffington has a whole book on uh, the importance of sleep. Our friend Michael Hyatt, which um, he's a big proponent proponent of taking naps uh, during the day. So it doesn't have the taboo thing like, oh, you're lazy. I mean, there's actually places I think in like even Google's offices where they have nap rooms uh, and places businesses are starting to see the importance of having, you know, places for rest and also places for creativity um, that needs to, to happen, like ping pong tables or places where they can go and do stuff together um, to get those creative juices flowing. So it's just the more creative workplace and a place where you can rest, I think more and more companies are seeing how important that is for 
the long-term health and actually productivity and actually profit of their company. There are a lot of business owners out there who they either find themselves up early and deciding to hustle in the margins there, you know, before whether they have a family or, or, you know, what their situation is, they decide while the world is asleep, whatever that world shape takes or, or looks like it's I'm up before them and I'm getting a good hour, two hours or whatever done then. And then there's also the people that are up into the night. And I think the nap is kind of that unifying thing that helps both people on the ends of the spectrum, whatever their chronotype is, they're able to hit reset. They're able to refresh. It's it's like getting in some ways, it's like getting two days. It's it's mm. kind of a clear mark in the same way that a that, you know, sleeping overnight differentiates our days. Having naps does that, too. And I think a lot of people, they think eh, naps are for kids or they think, no, naps are, um, I you know, I've tried taking naps. It didn't work. And I think the the key thing that I've heard when it comes to naps from most people as to why they don't work is because they're taking them too long. They're trying they're yeah. they're falling actually into actual REM sleep or yeah. falling down it's, into it's it instead of stay at that surface level. 20 minutes, 25, maybe 35. If you find you don't fall asleep right away, set it, set it, you know, like a, a Apple watch. I, when I do it, I use Apple watch and I use mm-hmm. a, I, I go do. on do not disturb. And I go, I set it for 35 minutes or 45 minutes, depending. And I just know it's going to take me 10 minutes or 15 to actually get there. And then I'll get a good 20, 25 ish. And then I'm up and it's, you don't want to fall into the sleep cycle or the beginnings of that, because then that mm-hmm. sleep inertia is the term. That's what it was. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, that's what makes you groggy. Like that's the, that's the thing is most people are like, I took a nap. I ended up more groggy on the other end. So then it was like, uh, why, what was the point? So I highly encourage every business owner out there to consider the creative as well as the, uh, energy giving benefits of a nap, because when it comes down to it, it almost gives you more, it, not almost, it gives you more time than if you were to just um, plow through. Oh, okay, I'm going right. to take, I'm just going to, you know, sit here with loud headbanging music or whatever your your uh, <laughs> forte is and mm-hmm. doing that. Speaking of, uh, I know there's a tool we've both used in the past, um, Brain Brain FM. That's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about, what's your experience been with that in terms of creativity? Oh, so I so one it helps you drown out stuff, and I really do think you know there's controversy both ways about the brain waves and does it really work or does it not? I tend to think it does. At least it helps me when I need to focus or concentrate. If I can put on those, put in Brain FM, and they also have some really good like when I want to take that nap in the afternoon, and I I feel like I you know I, I can't get it can't get the sleep in the ears that I want to get I'll put on some of their uh sleep music and it really does help me there's some there's one that I use it's like my go-to it's like highlighted like if they ever went away I'd have to like track them down and you know find it and you know make them download it for me um but I use it all the time for that nap thing I, I do want to go back and and talk about because you mentioned something that really got me thinking is that you said you know like when we were kids we took a nap and kids yes. took a nap. and we did and, and we fought it. And yeah, man, and I wish I could we, knock some sense into myself. That's right. Well, the thing there's a lot of things about creativity that that, you know, when we're kids that we have that we tend not to do with when we're adults. Duncan Wordle mentioned, you know, stuff like, you know, we don't sing out loud like we do when we're kids anymore. And now we only sing in the shower. And that's where our best ideas come from. He goes, oh, is there a correlation? You know, I thought that was really interesting. 
And there's this, I just came across this in a book that I was reading about um, laughter and humor and how important that is for creativity. And it says the average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day. And then the average 40-year-old laughs 300 times every 7.5 days. And around age 23, the average person falls off what researchers call the humor cliff. And we start to laugh and smile less and less. And I think the more we can bring, you don't have to have like hire a comedian to come in, but the more we can find humor in what we're doing and we can laugh together at breaks, we don't have to be, you know, the, you don't have to be goofy, but the importance of laughter and humor and fun uh, on creativity and how that creativity can trickle down into the workplace. I just think the, there, there's more and more research coming out that, about laughter and humor and smiling and, you know, those kind of things and how they affect work. It's just you can't deny it. And how can we use that as business owners and creatives and content creators? How can we use that to take our content and our business to the next level? I think we really need to look at some of that. But what you said about the kids really made me think about that again. Well, and what you just said has sparked in me. I remember that I, especially late in college, when I really started to get a handle on it, like it was kind of an, it was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And then slowly over time, I was able to cram four years into five and graduate. Uh, and not everybody graduates, by the way, and that's okay. But for me, I really enjoyed studying communications. And in some of those communication courses um, with my classmates who were in the same courses and they were kind of all in my major, I'd grown real deep relationships. And one of the things that came out of that was I noticed I paid more attention and or got more out of it if I was playing in class, if I was kind of doing the I don't know, backseat, you know, back of the room, Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of throw a jokey thing in right. and hopefully that, you know, the lecture or the, you know, professor. I think you, I, I think that when you, when you laugh, you listen more. I mean, I always think, I mean, I just really think, you know, when I do presentation stuff, I always try to put humor in it because I think that just it, it's part of who we are. We want to, there's a reason why cat videos are so popular on you know, reels and TikTok because they make us laugh or there's something funny about it, or there's something that hits and it's part of who we are and it sparks that creativity. And so I don't think we should discount that at all because I think it's a very, very important of our, who we are made to be. And I think it's, again, it's a perspective. It's a, it's a mindset uh, shift that helps us to treat people better, operate our businesses better, um, interact with the world better, receive uh, information better, pay attention. Um, we're engaged. In other words, we're engaged instead of on autopilot. We're engaged and humor and creativity play a huge part when it comes to that. So, um, uh, I, I think the other, the one last thing I can think of is when it comes to, we've got all these ideas, we've maybe got more ideas than we need. How do we go about testing them slash deciding which, uh, oh, you know, I wrote that a month ago or, oh, that's an idea from a year ago. Oh, what was I thinking? I know you love cooking in real life, like actual yeah. cooking, yeah. It, metaphorical cooking with our ideas. What does that process look like in terms of determining which we pick and choose and test and which we're like, eh, that one goes back in the freezer for a while? Yeah, I think one of the things is to be not to be scared to fail. Like it, it, you're going to put out stinkers like they're just going to go and they're going to fall flat. People won't get what you're trying to say. 
And you've got to be okay with that. And the other thing is, I like I think I mentioned it before, is that having a group of people that you can bounce stuff off of, even if it's three or five people that you meet with regularly and saying, listen, I'm thinking about the, doing this. Is this going to, am I missing something here? Or do you think, and, and you need to have people who aren't just yes men or yes women that'll just like, oh, that's great. You don't want your mom. Your mom's always going to love what you're going to do. And that's why she's your mom. She loves you. But you need to have people who will tell you like truth, like, yeah, that's that may go the wrong way. I don't think you're going to that logo doesn't look like what you think it looks like. It's something that you're going to get some comments on on Instagram. So you really need to have those people that you bring that stuff in front of. And I mean, it's helped me before. I remember one time I had a logo for a a company and it was um, it was (laughs) it was the color. I thought it was great. It was I worked really hard on it. It looked really good. But it was the color if you slowly like choked a Smurf. It was like this really weird blue. And somebody, it was my friend, Elisa Meredith, goes, I should have It's like, hey, what do you think? This is awesome, right? She was like, uh, no, you need to fix that. And, you know, I was kind of mad that she said it because I worked really hard on it. But I was like, um, I'm glad I have a friend who will tell me that, listen, you need to go back to the drawing board a little bit on that one because it's not going to work. And it, the, the when I went and did that, it took off. It was great. It was a great brand. Um, but yeah, you need those people who, who will tell you the truth and having multiple, those multiple of those type of people is, you know, that's what you need to work on probably more than the next big idea is finding those people who will surround you and tell you the truth about what's going on and help you get some ideas and where you can bounce those ideas off of them. Yeah. A creativity is not a vacuum. It it doesn't just involve you and the world and you soaking it in and then, you know, moving things right. around in your mind or in a trusted system. It's also about interactivity with other people, especially trusted people, friends, colleagues, mm-hmm. teammates, uh, mastermind members, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, thank you for, for reminding us of that. I'd love to point people to where they can find out more about all the different things that that you're doing. You've got like a weekly show and you've it, a lot of people don't know this, but you produce Guy Kawasaki's podcast. Uh, throw out all the links as, as we do at the end yeah. of the podcast. Yes. That the uh, What you can do is you can find me everywhere. It's uh, Jeff dot com. And that's Jeff S is in Sam I E H. That's I before E, especially in C. So my mommy told me to memorize my name. And you can go there, and that's where you can get links to Social Media News Live, Creator News Live, all the different things that I'm doing. Uh, that's probably the best place. So jeffc.com. Awesome. Jeff, thanks for being here and imparting all your experience and wisdom. Thank you. So as we wrap up this episode in closing, I want to encourage you to embrace your innate creativity. Explore those new ways to infuse innovation into your workflow, your business. Remember, creativity is not a mysterious gift that's just bestowed upon a select few, but it's a skill. And it can be nurtured and honed and developed by intentionally seeking diverse inspiration and joy in your daily life. Start by embracing failure as a stepping stone to success wherever you're at. Seek collaborative output and input. Create an environment where your creativity can flourish. Take one small step today to reignite your creative spark. Embrace that childlike wonder within and unleash the power of your imagination to bring fresh, game-changing ideas to your business. And as you venture forward, remember, keep seeking new sources of information and regularly feeding your creative soul because you've got creative potential that is boundless and the world eagerly awaits your contributions that only you can bring to life. 